What's happening, fam? It's your boy Sherrod, and welcome to another podcast episode of Behind the Grind, powered by Sherrod Speaks. For each episode, I have a conversation. I go behind the scenes to talk to individuals like you and I that are making impact with their influence and making change happen in the places around us. My goal is to encourage, to inspire, to motivate, give you everything that you need, the faith, the fuel, the ammunition, whatever it takes to get you on your journey as you push through and grind through behind the grind. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Grind. I am your host, Sherrod Schuler, and as always, I'm so glad that you are tuned in and you're listening to another conversation that we're having right here on Behind the Grind. Listen, we say it each week, it's our goal to bring you real conversations from real people like you and I that are about their grind. And so this week, I'm so excited to share with you a very special guest, an individual that knows a little something about the mental game, the mental space, right? She knows how to help athletes overcome those mental challenges, those mental roadblocks, those mental setbacks. She helps them achieve high performance in the mental space when it comes to their um, athletic performance. And so I call it something about how to master that mental gem, right, that many athletes are going through. She's going to share with us a little bit about the mental, being a mental skills coach and how she became a part of this profession and how she be, even became an expert in this space. And we're going to talk about that today. But I think it's a very important topic to just explore, right? I think the mental space is so important in all areas of our lives beyond performance. We know to be an Olympic athlete or to be a pro athlete, there is some mental capacity of resilience, some mental capacity of handling challenges facing you to be a successful champion or to be a winner. There's so many things that you have to overcome beyond just your physicality, right? Beyond just your talent. There's a mental part of that. And I think that breeds in all areas of our lives, also in business, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, as so we're going to get into this conversation where I hear, like I said, some things that drawn her into this space and why it's a need for it. We're going to talk a little bit about her career and how she even got into this space. I think this is a very good conversation, a very good topic to talk about right now. As we can see, uh, mental health is on the rise. We're seeing athletes that are taking mental breaks, right? And of course, we won't go down that road specifically about mental health, but it's something to realize that mentality, the mentality, our strength, the resilience is necessary today and it's beyond sports. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with my very special guest, Bryn Dresser right here on Behind the Grind. So with that, without further ado, let me introduce my guest. My guest, her name is Bryn. She is a powerhouse speaker, facilitator, author, podcast host, and mental skills coach. I want you to put a note there, mental skills coach. She has worked with top athletes from the NBA to the NCAA and AAU, and she was a D1 athlete in track and field herself. Bryn believes in all athletes have the ability to adopt and to develop an elite mindset to excel in their sports mm -hmm. and their life. 
And so we're going to get a chance to talk to her about that today. She helps those athletes master their mental skills necessary to perform consistently and confidently at their best so that they can scale to the highest heights of their sports. She is also the host of the Mental Advantage podcast. And so without further ado, I want my Behind the Grind family to welcome to the Behind the Grind podcast, Bryn Drescher. Welcome to Behind the Grind. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And yeah, it's kind of crazy, all the things that you said. I was like, oh, I forgot about all that stuff. But yes, it's all true. And yeah, kind, uh, thanks for having you're me. You're kind of like a big deal in these streets. <laughs> So before we get into it far into our conversation, you know, you're on my screen right now and I notice you have the Michigan State sweatshirt. So I've got to go right there right now. Uh, just this weekend, they were uh, congratulations to your Spartans. Thank they, you. Uh, beat the rival state uh, University of Michigan in football. It was a fantastic game. So for for a moment here, I want you to tell us a little bit about the Michigan State. What, why are you wearing the sweatshirt? Of course, of course. Of course. So uh, it's a funny story, actually, that you mentioned Michigan, because at the time of uh, growing up, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago called Palatine. But uh, if you're anywhere outside of the state of Michigan, you only know one college in the state of Michigan, and that is University of Michigan, right? So when I was coming up, I totally wanted to go to University of Michigan, not knowing anything about what they offered academically. Just like, oh, I'm a okay. Michigan fan, right? Like, I want to go to the best, best, right, at that time. <laughs> My mom made me go to a, uh, I don't know, you know, they send out stuff, I guess, when you're like a graduating senior. And she made me go to some informational day, you know. I had a Michigan hat on and a Michigan shirt, and I was Michiganed out, right? Like, I'm like, I'm going to Michigan. Um, but funny story, I never actually ended up applying to Michigan. Um, the entire experience kind of led me to believe that that was the school for me, uh, Michigan State. And uh, I, they had the perfect program for me at the time I wanted to be a lawyer. Obviously, I don't stand before okay. being a lawyer today. Uh, but I just liked what they had to offer and uh, gave me a small school opportunity within a big school environment, which is what I loved. And so I ended up just, I only applied to one college, Michigan State University, and I got in. And so I, I like to make that distinction because anyone listening that might be a Michigan fan, they're like, oh, she wanted to go to Michigan, but she didn't get in. <laughs> I didn't apply. I never was. And I do say that I'm unfortunately a very stereotypical Michigan State fan in that I take joy in when Michigan loses, even though if I ever had one of their athletes, it would not be the case. <laughs> but currently, uh, as a, on the fan side, I'm definitely like, go Michigan State all the way. So happy to hear oh, that they wow. beat the uh, rival squad. So Awesome. And, and so I'm originally... Grew up all my life in Michigan. That's all I know. Didn't go to either one of the schools, but you know how us uh, this the state is. Yeah. You're gonna pick one of those schools and yeah. you're gonna root for them. A lot of a lot of my uh, kids from my high school and athletes and different things like that went to Michigan State. Wow. So I became a Michigan State nice. fan, but I grew up a Michigan fan. That's all I knew growing up. So it's a big deal. <laughs> and so, but I thought it was interesting. I know you're not, you're not a Michigan resident. So mm -hmm. you went to Michigan State. So I thought that was thumbs up. The fact that you chose yep. Michigan, you grew up, you said outside of uh, uh, suburb outside of Chicago. It outside of Chicago. It's about, yeah, okay. it's about, um, you know, probably about 30 miles northwest of Chicago. But, you know, with traffic, sure. it's like an hour, you know, that type of stuff. It doesn't okay. take that long if there's no traffic, but it's about 30 minutes, you know, outside. Okay. 
Awesome. So right now you're sitting in California. Yes. So yes. we're going to talk today <laughs> about what you're doing. You're doing yes. something that's called mental skills coach. And yes. so um, before we get to that, I want to get to that. I want you to kind of give me a little background of how you even came to this space. Yeah, no, absolutely. Coach. That's a great question. And just to get the title out of the way, I don't care what you call me. I work with the mental game. That's all that matters, right? Because, you, you know, there's mental performance coach. There's mental skills coach. There's mental conditioning. We can use any word we want that makes sense to you, sure. good listener, right? But the most important thing to recognize is I work on the mental game. And we'll get to that in a moment. So why did I do that? Um, as uh, Sherrod already mentioned, you mentioned I am a, <laughs> a, a, a former D1 athlete, okay? I ran track. I was varsity all four years in high school, okay? I tried basketball, which is funny because 99% of my athletes are basketball players. But uh, <laughs> it turned out I found out I was much faster without the ball, just run in one direction really fast, leave that ball alone. Like, okay, got it. I'm much better with that. Um, so I ended up going out, you know, I, I was interested in track and field. I did it in junior high, continued in high school, varsity all four years. And um, I definitely wanted to go to college, but I didn't have D1 speed, right? Um, sure. But interestingly enough, I was recruited by some division three schools and I just, you know, I was, I always had my sights set on a D1 school, like regardless of whether I was going to compete there or not. And right. I ended up walking on to the Michigan State track and field team. And I, I competed oh. three out of the four years that I was there. Um, so hold on. Yes. I, I, I hate to stop you. And I don't know. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You, walk, go ahead. you walked on? Yeah. You walked on to? Uh, wow. Yeah. Talk, talk about that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I was going to tell you when we kind of spoke a bit briefly before this. Um, for many years, I never thought, when I look back, right, because to, we're going to get to the whole thing about how I became a mental skills coach. But when I look back, I didn't have any mental mm -hmm. skills like training. I didn't know anything about the mental game. I just knew I was supposed to run fast, do what the coaches told me to do. And, you know, hopefully I got a lot of medals and stuff and I got a wall full of them and all that. Right. Wow. But wow. when I walked on to Michigan State, I thought that that was just what you did. Like, it didn't occur to me that this is a big deal to walk onto a team D1. It was just like, oh, sure. I, I was a track athlete in high school, so of course I'm going to be a track athlete in college. They have um, a team? Yeah, exactly. Try out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got a team. I'm going to go for it. This is what I want to do. I don't want to stop running, so let's do it. But as I'm noticing from other people, they're like, you know, because I used to downplay it. Like, yeah, I was just a walk-on. They're like, you were a walk-on at a D1 school. Like, you recognize exactly. what that was? I was like, no, I just did what I wanted to do. I don't know what you're talking about. So absolutely, I, I, I think that, and you know, we've seen so many videos on the internet and heard stories, like working like a walk-on is like a badge of honor because, you know, like we have to earn our yeah. stripes differently. We got to earn our cred with the team. And, you know, we play our own crucial role, regardless of whether we're the most premier athlete or a scholarship pr is produced from that experience. And in my case, it was not. Right. But I loved the, you know, just being an athlete and what that gave me and that balance and that that's, you know, just that pride of, you know, and so I'm very proud of my time at Michigan State. Um, but I will say, you know, I didn't quite, it's more of a hindsight, like, look now, because okay. I just thought that that was normal. <laughs> like, you know, I was just like, what? I didn't do anything special, but I recognize it now. And I'm, I would encourage any of my athletes to feel the same. It's just, I didn't have that context at the time. 
I mean, again, I did want to stop you with that because, again, D1, I grew up playing ball. Yeah. And so, of course, getting a D1 scholarship was like a big deal. Yeah. And so, so many guys, you know, they, they, they competed really hard and you, they right. played at a high level. And I'm going to be honest with you. We, there's a big distinction for those individuals to play at a high level right. compared to us at that. Right. We think we're going. We think we're out there. But there's a, there's a separation. Absolutely. And so I, I definitely have to honor anyone who can uh, compete at that level and compete with uh, individuals at that level. So, I, you know, walk on or not, the yeah. fact, especially that to walk on, I think that makes it even more exciting. Uh, so it must have taken some mental game yeah. to get to that. And so yeah. l- l- let's let's talk about that again. Yeah. Is, is that the reason why you got into the space of mental um, skills coach? As or much as I'd like did it to come say, some other way? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I'd like to say yes, the answer is no. Um, because in order for you to want to get into mental game coaching, you have to know it exists. You have to know what the mental game That's is. True. And I didn't know any of those things at the time. What did spur me to create what I've created was a lot thinking back when I was an athlete, what I didn't know, and then watching current athletes mm. and what they're not aware of and how much that's costing them in, you know, untapped potential and, uh, you know, mm. just getting out of their own way. There's such a, you know, you would think that an, a, an athlete that's headed to D1 or headed for scholarship or recruited would have all the confidence in the world, but they struggle with confidence just right. like everyone else. Okay. Um, they have inconsistent performances because they're having the high-low moments, which is everything's good when everything's good, but when everything's not going good, they're having a hard time getting through those adversity mm-hmm. moments. And these are all marks of a good you know, player, a longevity player, right? When we're talking about basketball, any sport, football, baseball, you name it, there's going to be adversity along the way in that journey. And so what kind of came out of it is I always loved mindset. I got really into mindset after college and um, after I sort of discovered it through the secret and things like that, I studied, um, I went and just studied under some of the top mindset gurus in the country. And in, mm-hmm. in that time, I just wanted to t- coach people on mindset, but I was using sports analogies all the time and stuff like that. And so ultimately, <laughs> uh, someone, I think someone just suggested to me, I don't remember who I don't remember, but just kind of like, Hey, maybe you should coach athletes. And, uh, I just went to a clinic and kind of put my shingle out there and I've been coaching athletes ever since. And so that's basically how it came about. But I would say that it was in hindsight, you know, inspired by the fact that you don't know what you don't know. And athletes, you know, just looking at the sports, regardless of what sport it is, everybody says it's 90% mental, 10% physical. But then if you pull out their practice plan, there are zero days devoted to mindset. And so it doesn't matter if we have the, you know, we all know that the basketball courts are the same size. We all got the physical trainers. We got the best shoes. We got the best equipment, especially if we're D1. We got best budgets to get all the right things. But if we're not tapping into this, you're leaving (laughs) stuff on the table, period. So. Man, that that's that's interesting, and, and so many, you know, my mind is going in so many different directions, especially in today. You know, I'm a little older now, but <laughs> today's uh, athlete, it seems like um, this is something that's needed, and so it doesn't. You know, I don't know, like you mentioned, maybe I don't know what I don't know, and I don't yeah. know if it was so prevalent back in the day uh, to have this type of uh, coach or mental coach. But I see the need for it today. You know, when you think about, especially in the basketball court, you think about uh, a guy, and I, I, I hate doing this. You're but about to talk about, ben, talk about Simmons. ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you think about that and you're like, what's, 
you know, what's going on? A, a talented player, talented this, and it may not even be any of those things, but you, you wonder like something there mentally might not be, you know, maybe yeah. there's a lack of shooting because someone talked, you know, yeah. do you find a lot of athletes are struggling because of things that they're dealing with, especially yeah. these younger athletes? What kind of pressures are they facing? So it's interesting because, you know, it's, it, you know, talking about a Ben Simmons, I got to say, I get asked about him, I swear, <laughs> once a month once a month and it's always a guy that's like what do you think about ben simmons i'm like well to be honest i don't think about ben simmons all that much but i will tell you that uh i've heard a lot about him i do i'm aware of who he is i remember i'm aware of the challenges that he's going through um i am definitely thinking like when you talk about that yeah athletes are going through a lot of different things and like you said it's a lot of what they don't know, right? So awareness is the first step of anything. So if you're not aware, because we all have things, right? Somebody in your childhood told you something, there's a trigger there. And sometimes if it's not treated, it can be quite pervasive. Now, I'm not a, a clinician, a mental health clinician, okay. but we know that when something goes on, you know, un, unaddressed for a long time, sort of like, a, you know, like let's say I've got a little shoulder ache and then I keep throwing right. and then it turns into a shoulder real pain and then eventually a separation and then whatever. It's the same thing with the mental game. If you're not addressing it on a regular basis, it can exacerbate to the point that it becomes an issue that needs to be treated by a clinician, okay? So right. we're definitely seeing um, anxiety on the rise, okay? Um, definitely, okay. I think, you know, when you talk about the older generation, we didn't have the language for those things. Were we experiencing less anxiety? Okay. I don't know. But when you talk about the fact that athletes are now more comfortable saying, I have anxiety, right? And I don't necessarily mm -hmm. like that, where they own that they have anxiety, right? It's a, I'm experiencing anxiety, mm -hmm. but having anxiety feels like it's something I can't get rid of, right? Um, but the other things are athletes are very high performance oriented. Now they're doing, uh, uh, what are those AP classes sooner? So these are high performers yeah. in the classroom that are putting the bar so gosh darn high. And then they're doing the same thing to themselves on the court, for example, or on the field, in the sport, whatever the case is. So for example, I had an athlete come to me, softball athlete, and she mentioned that she wants to have no walks. And I said, well, tell me what professional pitcher has no walk. Literally not. Exactly. Just tell me. I don't know everything about baseball or softball, so let me right. know because maybe I'm wrong, right? And she's like, none. I'm like, okay, so that's not a realistic goal. So a lot of times there's no room. So they're, they're perfectionist and they're holding themselves to a higher mm. standard, which is creating the very kind of duress that they're putting themselves under. And, you know, just like anything, you're going to collapse under that because they're still developing their confidence. They're still developing their sense of who they are mm. over identifying with their sports so that if there's an injury, they have the loss of self sense of self, which we know happens to adults as they transition out of a sport. Right. But you know, this happens in the middle, like, especially with COVID and what we experience. So there's a lot of different things. And sometimes it's just like, they don't know how it's sort of, you know, when you were coming up, think about the times that your coach said things like, get out of your head, just get, you know, yeah. you know yeah. what to do. I don't know if, but you, I knew, don't know what I don't to know if do. you know what he was saying, yeah. but <laughs> right. you had no idea. So it's like, they would use these terms like focus, concentrate, yeah. consistency, yeah. you know, get out of your head. They don't know how to do that. So, I think that when you say, like, was it necessary when we, we just didn't have the language, right? But now they do. They have the ability to say, ouch, it hurts. 
And there's still a little stigma around it because when you put the word mental in anything, they're like, oh, I don't have any mental health problems. I'm like, that's not what I address. I'm on the proactive side, which there's nothing because mental health is just health, right? The health of your mental. But I'm on the proactive side of helping you feel how better to deal with the rigors and the adversity so that hopefully it doesn't, you know, again, exacerbate into an issue. But that's basically some of the things that you see. And I mean, there's so many more, but the big thing is just, you know, inconsistent play and then being hard on yourself, emotional outbursts, not have good emotional regulation, confidence challenges, anxiety, all that stuff is what athletes are kind of struggling with today. I I love it. I think, I thank you for clarifying that because you've kind of put, put that into context, right? You know, I always use that old school, you know, we didn't have that coming up, but like you, you're right. You helped me see that. We actually did deal with that. We just may not have had the <laughs> the way to articulate it, speak it, <laughs> or have the individuals around uh, to to help us uh, identify it. Because you know, obviously, we're seeing it a lot more. There's a lot more attention toward it. Obviously, in in the world of sports, you know, yes. um, there's the one thing on the court we deal with, like the, the name we mentioned before. But now we're seeing even athletes, you know, the big stars taking uh, mental health breaks, yep. uh, taking time off. Just recently, even uh, I, I live here in Atlanta, Georgia, and just recently our fo- a football player just is taking, right mid-season, is taking a <laughs> mental break, right? And so, again, I go back to being on the playground and back right. in the day we come from, we, we never heard of that. Right. But truthfully, it's necessary in this day and time. But what you're talking about is beyond that. So I don't want to get yeah. us caught up into that co- yeah. component of that. It's really helping individuals be, uh, like you said, uh, successful in, in whatever profession they are. Right. Obviously, you're going to scale them back when they hit, give you real unrealistic right. things such as <laughs> yeah. never walk a person. Right. Right? You, you're helping them deal with that because that becomes right. a real thing, obviously, in their mind. And obviously, they're, you know, they're constantly, we're constantly raising the bar. We're in a yeah. time where everybody's talking about the GOAT. And everybody wants to be the GOAT, right? right. In whatever sport, track. Tennis, yeah. whatever you want to be the best, and we're constantly raising the bar. And like you said, at some point we may break it, but at the same time, the sport still goes on, and we got yeah. to compete, and we've got to be successful. Now, I'm going to detour just a little sure. bit with this question, and we're going to come back to sports. But I, some of my listeners, you know, they may not necessarily, you know, that day may be over like mine, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so we're not competing in 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 the right. sports space. But I think some of the things that you're talking about still helps. How does, do you help individuals that may be in the corporate space or in the entrepreneur space that possibly needs to raise the bar to get better, to be whatever they're, you know, whatever they're trying to accomplish in their, their field? So the funny thing is my favorite quote is how you do anything is how you do everything. So, you know, Sherrod, obviously being a former athlete, though you may not have a field of play to compete on in the sense (laughs) of sport, you're still competing. You're still out there trying to be the best version of yourself in everything you do. You don't take, you don't turn off that athlete mindset, even if you're no longer an athlete. So I do get asked this question quite a bit. Do I coach adults? Could I? Absolutely. Do I have an adult client? Yes. Do I ask for them? No. <laughs> because, <laughs> not because I don't love them, because I do. And eventually I do want to have a whole arm of my business dedicated to them. But I want to make sure that I'm not spread so thin, right? 
But mm. the quest, you know, so does what I do apply to the world of business? Absolutely. It's all the mind. Again, everything is, you know, we say, you know, sports is 90% mental, 10% physical. No, life is 90% mental, yes. 10% physical. You can, yes. you know, you're not 10% of what happens to you, 90% of how you respond to it, right? So could you use the principles of your sport? Right. And that's why I love what I teach, because this is to give my athletes a foundation to jump off for everything in every area of your life. Where can you take more responsibility? Where can you be someone who has an identity that actually produces the kind of habits and patterns that you need to be successful? Right. right. Where are you not clear on your vision? about where you want to go, your goal setting, your goal uh, tracking, are you, where are you not celebrating your accomplishments, okay? And then where are your limiting beliefs, your LBs weighing you down? Like, you know, those things that you're saying, I want this, but then you got this whole other agenda going on in your mind that you're not addressing. So yes, mm-hmm. absolutely everything I teach would work for adults, okay? And so I say, like, you know, I, don't, I just don't say, hey, reach out to me. Because I, you know, my thing is also a lot of people, they think it's sexy to talk about money for business and all of these things. And so I have this coach that gave me this pyramid that I think is really important. And I just want to share it with all the adults that may be listening. And obviously the parents are the ones that hire me. So funny enough, I do end up talking to adults quite a bit, but right. (laughs) Right. But at the bottom of the pyramid, at the top of the pyramid is the tools and the skills. So if you say, how can I get from here to there? You want just give me tactical. What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? But the interesting thing is I can give you a whole map, but if you don't have the bottom of the pyramid, which is the foundation, which is the mindset, you're not going to take a single step. And that's the thing you have to recognize. Everything with athletes, coaches give you everything. They give you batting practice. They, they give you shoot arounds. They give you hockey time. They give you time on the court. They tell you everything you need to do, but they're like, yeah, something's not clicking for that athlete. It's all up here, right? right? So it's the same thing in business. Yeah, I can teach you how to make money and all of those things, but if you don't have the mental foundation, then no. So when people say like, oh, you know, do you work with adults? Yeah, but you got to go through my eight-week program that I'm going to give my athletes. (laughs) And that's going to be centered around your sport was the world of business, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to, you know, you're going to be doing a lot of mindset work. And if at the end you're like looking for, I want to make a ton of money, I can't promise that result for you. But what I can promise is now you're going to be not the hindrance to your problem. Now you're not going to have any problems soaring because now if somebody gives you the blueprint, you're going to be able to follow it step by step because all the things that were kind of tripping you up up, you're going to have a way to address those quickly and adjust, adapt and be flexible and get on to your destination. Oh, I love it. So yeah, thank you for clearing that up as well. So um, let's talk a little bit more about you and in and, and the space. You know, we talk about mental uh, skills. Now I, I hear that you're a speaker. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. What type of uh, speaking do you do and, and, and who do you, who yeah. is your audience for speaking? Yeah, so definitely um, high school students, college students, those two areas, again, staying in the student life, okay? I mean, not that, again, I can't go out to corporate, but I really want to focus on schools, particularly high schools. Um, obviously, most people don't hire a high school, a speaker to just talk to their athletes, so it would be speaking to the entire student body. But again, taking these principles of high performance because most of my high performers are high performers in the classroom first. They are high performers off the field and that is what is carrying into their sport or carrying over or maybe they're carrying it from sport into the classroom. So it's giving them the tools to 
take some of the things that I teach to build the right foundation for them to have their academic empire on top of it. Because again, identity, your whole life is not about what do you want to be when you grow up? In fact, we need to get away from that question. We need to stop asking kids what they want to be when they grow up, because let me ask you this adults, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. So <laughs> most of us don't know, we're still figuring it out. So asking a kid who has a lot less of the mental and emotional intelligence that we say we have, you know, they don't have the answers to that. And it also kind of pigeonholes them to think that there's only one path, right? And as we specialize, so my thing is to help students understand all of the gifts that they have and how they can plug that into many things. I talk about identity as a plug. And I talk about role, which is student, athlete, father, brother, son, daughter, you know, significant other, I talk about those as roles. So that one is an outlet. So when you plug the plug, which is you, you're the plug into the outlet, that's going to reveal some amazing things. But when you take the plug out of the outlet, you're no less this awesome person. It's not that what makes you great is being a, a good student. And so finding a way uh, to uh, value things in your life is that you are the most valuable asset commodity that you have. And once you recognize that you really, the sky is the limit. And when I talk, I get a chance to talk to seniors. I always say, I always say the same thing, which is, you know, the school doesn't make you, you make the school. So when I talk about, you know, what college do you want to go to? And so many people like, you know, around college time or even around signing time, when it comes to athletes going to the next level, it's all about like, Oh, did I, did I get into the school I wanted? Did I get the team that I wanted? Whatever the case is, but it's like, ultimately you're going to make the difference, not the school, right? They're just a name. I mean, think about it during COVID just to give us all a great example. There was nothing but a bunch of empty buildings. Schools are nothing without their students. There are nothing without their students. And so recognizing that you make the school, the school doesn't make you sure a name comes with whatever Michigan, Harvard, Stanford, whatever the case is. But ultimately, nobody cares after a few years out of college. Nobody's asking me where I went to college, except for if I'm wearing a Michigan State sweatshirt, right? Nobody's asked me in the last week, where'd you go to college? Nobody cares. So it's more about what did you do with your time there? Did you have a great experience? So just those are the types of things I like to talk to students about, taking the same principles I teach my athletes how to be a high performer in life, because then you can plug that into any area you want, whether it be sports, business, school, you know, whatever it is. Now, um, before we get out of here too, I do want to kind of, again, I'm digging back into to you, where you, I know you weren't always in this space. So were you at some point in the, the corporate space where you always just steal around sport? How did you transition from corporate to this space here and what did that look like yeah so funny i work for enterprise rent-a-car you may have heard of it okay and okay. Uh, yes. they're, they're big on recruiting people out of college so for my initial plan was to be a lawyer and then i wanted to take some time off because i was a little burned out about school and i thought okay. you know just a year off and you know unfortunately people in my life turned out to be right but they were like you know you take a year off you're never gonna go back and i was like no that's not true <laughs> but it did you know i guess the money got good to me and i, and I just stayed away from school for a while but i kind of lost you know I, once i came back to it i had an opportunity to then go back to school and figure it out and that wasn't what i wanted anymore my 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 um 
my my aspirations and the way I thought about them had changed. And that's the great thing about getting some experience out in the world is that you can shift, right? But you know, we think, or at least I'll speak for myself, when I was a kid, I thought you just picked a, you know, this is the path. And I had it all figured out, you know, at 18. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer since I was 12, okay? So I'm not a lawyer anymore. I mean, I'm not, I've never been a lawyer, but I, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. But at that time I was so clear, like, that's what I want to do. And that's what I, you know, and I took every class, every, every decision I made was balanced on that. And so I definitely want to, you know, share that with kids. Like, you know, don't be afraid to change and shift if that doesn't suit you anymore. Like it's okay to rethink what your choices are and don't listen to all these outside forces. But anyway, I got into enterprise and I went all the way up to branch manager and all that and then I just the hours were really long um and then there's like there's a point where you come where you have to decide okay in order to in, in the way that I viewed it you know and I'm willing to say but I wasn't the best manager I was definitely like I was all like this is how I work so this is how you should work and that's not how you motivate people right you got to find their language okay but when I got to the point of learning better how to manage people but then it was like they said, okay, to go to the next level, to make this amount of money, you're going to have to do this, this, and this. And I was like, well, I don't want to do this, this, and this, right? Whatever that is. So then I transferred, <laughs> right. to, yeah, I transferred out of that job and found another job that had better hours so I could pursue a dream of mine of being an actress. Um, and so I went and worked in banking for a short amount of time. I actually moved to California. Oh, okay. Yeah, I worked in banking after that. And then I just ultimately just knew I could not do the nine to five thing. I was like, this can't be my life. This can't be my life. Like, this is not what I want for me. And um, I did quit without a plan. I'm not going to say that this is the best idea. And I've okay. been an entrepreneur ever since. Now, I've had a, a, a position with a nonprofit where I've been able to speak on a regular in schools, but I kind of work as a contractor with them, even though I'm technically an employee. So I didn't have the nine to five since. Like I literally have not been back in a nine to five in ages and it has been fantastic. But um, it was ultimately just, um, I think I just always knew I wanted to do something that I wanted to be happy. And I recognized when I was making a ton of money and when I was making less money, I was happier than when I was making more money and being totally like working like, you know, we'll just say 70 hour, you know, whatever it is, 50 hour weeks or whatever that is. And so I kind of recognize like, I don't like this. Like I, I feel richer when I'm making less money than I do when I'm making more money. Why is that? Because I have more time, freedom, more whatever. And so ever since then, uh, it gave me the chance to try a lot of different things. I've definitely had a lot of hats in business um, over the course of the time of figuring out, but nothing lit me up like speaking and coaching. And so once I found speaking and coaching, I was like, oh, this is what I wanted. I wanna inspire and still make people laugh and do all the things that I love about acting and entertaining, but um, just not have to say other people's lines and I get to say my own and people then quote me. And that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that. I like, I love how you said that instead of saying other people's lines, yeah. you're saying your own lines. I love that. So before we get out of here, I always try to have a random question. Okay. And so in this case, uh, just very random, but it's kind of tied to what you just were, were speaking of. If you could uh, think of uh, uh, three people, you know, that if you were stuck on an island, what three people would you uh, have with you on that island? If it only could be you and three other people, who would you 
invite on the island. And I don't want to get anybody in trouble, so do your best not to. <laughs> well, the first person would be, just because she's the first person that came to mind, would be my girlfriend, because I would want her to be there. Um, and okay. then the other two people, I would say, I don't know. See, I know it's funny because you like think, do I want famous people there? I don't know them. I mean, they're cool, but do I want them there? So, for, for the sake of this, 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 we'll say the other two have to be. They famous. have to be famous. Two. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that way it keep you safe. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, that way my friends are not like you didn't say me. Okay, cool. Thank you, thank you. You're probably helping me out. I was probably about to put in mouth big time. Like I don't want any of these people. Um, all right, so. You know, for a time, I was a huge fan of Ellen's, but, you know, I'm feeling differently about her these days, so I don't know. Um, okay. Gosh, who would I want there? Um, you know what? To be honest, and can can they be not alive? Yes. Okay, got yes. it. So I'm going to say Kobe Bryant, <laughs> and it's funny because nice. I was years of a Kobe hater, um, obviously coming from Chicago. But since learning yeah. about his Mamba mentality, uh, I just could probably sit and talk to Kobe for hours. And um, I think that yeah, was yeah. that's one conversation I wish I would have gotten to have in real life. I did get to meet him briefly because the team, oh, yeah, one of the teams I was working for, um, we played his daughter's team. And so before the game, we went up and shook his hand and all that stuff. So I did get a chance to meet him, um, but not like a whole conversation or anything like that. But yeah. So that was pretty cool. I mean, because I never met Michael Jordan, but I've met Kobe. So, but yeah, before he passed. Um, but so I think Kobe would be somebody that I would love to talk to ad nauseum. And the second person that I would want to talk to would be, uh, he's not, also not with us, but I'm going to say either, if, you know, depending on who's available, Joseph Murphy or Neville Goddard. And these are guys on the power of the subconscious mind and they're like okay. amazing. So those two, um, I know I can only get two, but you know, I, I chose my girlfriend, but if we say all three, then I'm gonna say, put those two guys on there and Kobe and let's just geek out on talking crazy deep mindset stuff for like hours. So yeah. Yeah, before we get out of here, what uh, what's the best way that individuals can uh, stay in contact with you or get in contact with you. Yes, thank you for asking. So the uh, obviously, as Sherrod mentioned at the beginning, I have a podcast called the Mental Advantage Podcast. So uh, if you like Behind the Grind, I think you will also like this podcast. We are, I'm interviewing some of the top names in sports. I've had James Brown, who's the famous CBS and and uh, you know and Fox uh, sportscaster. I've had Nick Swisher, who's a former New York Yankee, played in the World Series and hit a homer. Um, I've had Marvin Bagley, who plays currently for the Sacramento Kings. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, and I've had Taiba Hanif Park, who was a two, three-time Olympian, two-time silver medalist. So I am interviewing as many people as possible from the world of sport. I also do solo episodes every other week, so I wanna mention that. So uh, you can check that out, and Sherrod will put that all in the show notes. Um, it's on YouTube, Apple, all that stuff. Um, the best way to connect with me, though, is 
all my social media channels, particularly Instagram, of course, uh, at Bryn Drescher, my first and last name are the best ways to reach me on any social platform. I'm consistent across the board. And if you are a parent of an athlete that is struggling with their mental game, or you know that there's something that's keeping them from, you know, completely turning the corner so that they can make sure that they're going to go D1, they're going to have the right mindset to play at the next level, whatever that is, definitely hit me up. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brand. Thank you again for taking time out of your schedule uh, to talk to us and talk to my family right here on Behind the Grind. Um, I learned a lot. Uh, some things that, um, again, I loved the space of mental uh, mental skills and mental health and all that kind of stuff. I kind of like that. And so it, it, I think it, you were able to tie a bow on a lot of different things that I had kind of wondered about, especially from the world of sports and young athletes. So I think this conversation was really well and well needed. It's well timed. Um, and so, again, if you're listening and you have children that are in sports, uh, this brand is the, definitely the person you want to follow. Definitely want to get some uh, some 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 tips, some some things that you can learn, and maybe join some of her programs, because I, I just listening to her, I think she approaches it well. I think she approaches it uh, the way that individuals that may be uh, struggling in that space, she's helping them um, overcome those obstacles and raise the bar in their game. So, uh, truly enjoyed this pro um, program today. Truly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. If you love this program today, this conversation, feel free to share it. Let someone hear this conversation. Until the next time, this is Shirai, and this is Behind the Grind. This is Shirai, and this is Behind the Grind.